wonderful being with you. I was asked by Caleb to um, to share uh, a couple of things from, I suppose, moments of transforming moments in my life, one or two of those. And then if I had a word for the church, um, well, maybe I'll start with the church. And um, you guys are moving building at some point, I think. Uh, this is the new one. Is this the new one? Okay. Okay. I just I, what I really felt was, you know, whatever you need, Jesus sent guys ahead and uh, they got to a place and he just said, speak to them and say, the master has need of it. And it's that easy when you hear God. He's going to open doors, continue to open them for you. I thought of, of Dave Charles. Is he still here? Yeah, there he is. Dave, I just had the word breaking and entering all over you which actually sounds really uh, derogatory, but it's, it's actually really positive. That the Lord's putting a real anointing upon you to break and enter the, the enemy's camp and to actually steal his goodies, which are people. And with signs and wonders and real breakthroughs taking place. Um, and in the context of this church, um, walking in here, I just sense this wonderful stream of the Holy Spirit. Um, been praying with Caleb and Dave and a couple of others. And, and you've got a wonderful stream of the Holy Spirit. But the Lord is, don't get dissuaded about numbers. The Lord has got you guys. And in a sense, prayer is boring business. It's boring down. And I really sense in due course, your stream is going to, ch- the picture is going to change to an artesian well. And you're drilling down, you're going to, Get a, there's a subterranean river and you're going to crack the, the, a, a wide circle and it's going to pump out. The water's going to pump out. And there have been pain and difficulties taking place in individuals' lives and even in the church's life um, with um, sorrows. And the Lord is, says you don't waste your sorrows. He's, it's, it's part of this artesian well causing a flood tide of the love of God. Yeah. Flood tide that will not only nourish those who are here, but will be a flood tide for those who are coming here and those who are outside of over here. So hang in there. A very strange thought for you and Jess was um, you need 48 hours. You need 48 hours every now and then. Just you, somebody looking after kids. Just the two of you, 48 hours. Every now and then. So, so you know... Be sensitive to that one. Uh, uh, and then sort of two defining moments for me. I was, in 1972, I was going on my way to the Air Force. I was part of the, uh, the world as it was with the Beatles and the Maharish Yoga and, you know, um, Hinduism and Buddhism and all that, that stuff. I never really uh, dug too deep in. But... I was looking for something else, a deeply disillusioned, cynical about uh, life in general. And I was on my way to the Air Force and I was in, on, a, on a train and um, I was trying to get into this Eastern stuff. And so I was, um, uh, I was trying to meditate, you know, sort of transcendental meditation, you know, you, know, you eventually start traveling and... I was trying to get into this stuff, and the first part was you need to blank you need to blank your mind to get into this serious meditation. Well, I blanked my mind and I went to sleep. 
That was my first serious attempt at meditation. But when I was sleeping, the sort of there was a light in the sort of the corner of the cabin. I think it was a train somewhere near the R. I can't remember. There's a light in the corner of the cabin, and emanating from the light were the words "Jesus Christ, Son of God." It was not Pauline. I didn't get up from there to change the world. It was like, gee, that was an interesting dream. But I noticed from there I picked up a good news Bible, not a great one, great translation, and I started reading it in the Air Force. The Afrikaans guys would say to me, Jerry, you, you, please, please, Jerry, when you read the Bible, you stop smoking. <laughs> when you've read the Bible, you can start smoking. <laughs> and so I read the Bible, I read the cross and the switchblade, and that really switched my life. And I thought, ah, oh, if I believe what Dave Wilkerson has to say, uh, then God is personal. And I, and I thought, it's, just, it's like too good to be true. And I read this, I thought, no, because I was a type of deist, I suppose, in my thinking. You know, he's wound us up and letting us go. And, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I came to faith. Somewhere through the dream, the reading of the Bible... And just absolutely amazed at Jesus. And he was just like perfect. And then the cross and the switchblade. And um, a, few year, a few years ago, just to sort of close the loop on that particular story, a few years ago, um, I landed up at the airport uh, in Durban. And I went to, I'd been to a conference with David Wilkerson. And he was an old toppy of about 76, 77. And um, it's a little bit older than me. And, and, and as I walked into the airport to check in, guess who was next to me? Dave Wilkerson. And I could actually tell him my story. Wow. Yeah. That was, that was just a, a sweet circle. You know, I shook his hand, my hero. <laughs> Anyhow, I better watch the time. I don't want to anhan, but I want to share a verse of scripture with you and see where we go from there. It's all in Ephesians 2. And, um, and the scripture I have, and there's a point to the scripture, is, is in verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were afar off have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And, um, and can we pray for a, a minute? Lord, I ask that you would uh, put light on your word and clarity in our hearts and our minds. And pray that strength and courage and hope and life would flow into us this morning. And that only comes from you. And so we're asking you to do it. Amen. And I'm sort of diving into a sort of fairly strange verse. But um, there's a particular point to it. And... In a sense, it highlights the greatness of our salvation, that particular verse. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And I want to try and, if I manage to complete the word, say three things. What you were, who you are, how you have become who you are, and how to live in the good of who you are. Those are the four things I'd like to say today. And... Um, and if the Lord helps me, we will do that. Otherwise, you may just say two of the four. <laughs> but um, that passage in Ephesians 2, it kicks off with actually saying that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And I'm going to abbreviate it because I want to lock in on verse 13. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And you were part of the, 
I suppose, the zeitgeist of the, of the, of the world. Uh, you're following its trends, its patterns, its ways. But you were, you were dead and you were sort of captivated by your impulses. You had sort of, they get honed inside of you and you're given over to sin. And worst of all is that God's holy hatred, which is his wrath against, uh, against sin, you were under that. And that was the state of you and I before and after. That was the state of these Ephesian Gentiles. And Paul is writing to them because... It's a joining of the Jewish Christians with the Gentile Christians, and that's in the background of this passage of Scripture. And he, um, and he spells out to the Ephesian Gentiles, this is what you were, and this is your state, this is your condition. You were dead man walking. Uh, John Stott puts it, um, you were as unresponsive as a corpse. And then you get this glorious... Two words that I hope get embedded in your mind for the rest of your life. But God. But God. And you can look at anything that's hopeless in your life, in your circumstances, in, in South Africa, in the nation, in the world. You can look at anything that's utterly hopeless. And you, if you take a step back and you actually factor in, but God, everything changes. Everything changes. And so the, the but God comes in there, and I don't want to camp on that. But it, the but God is actually saying, um, because of his great mercy or because of his mercy and his great love, which he has loved us, he has uh, brought us to life. He's made, a, made us alive. So we're made alive. We're raised from the dead. Uh, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Um, that's our sort of glorious lot in life. And the but God introduces and he's reminding this is, where you, this is who you were. And, um, and all the, the raised with Christ, together with Christ, the made alive together with Christ, the seated with Christ, um, all of that is part of a wonderful doctrine called our union with Christ. And I illustrate it to children uh, occasionally when I'm speaking to uh, primary schools and things like that. Is that I, I once had my glasses, my glasses case over here, and I had my glasses over here, and I took the glasses case, and I said to them, I said, okay, this is Christ. And they all looked at me, and I took my glasses, and I said, and this is you. They looked at me, and then I put the, the glasses in the case and clipped it. And I said, where are you? And they said, we're, we're in Christ. You know, I said, yes, you're in Christ. And Christ was crucified on the cross. Where are you? I'm crucified with Christ. And then you're buried in the tomb. Where are you? You're buried with Christ. And on the third day, you're raised from the dead. Where are you? You're in Christ. You're raised from the dead. After 40 days, he ascends to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Where are you? I'm in Christ. And I've had little nine, ten-year-olds actually come up to me afterwards and say, I understand what you're saying. So I think it's good for them. It's good for us. And so that's something of the before and after about their state and their condition. But we're going to fast track a little bit. He then in verse 11 talks about um, you were as their, um, their, in a sense, their status, who they were. And he says you were separated from the life of Christ. I think he's to get the union with the Gentile Christians and the Jews, he's actually having to tear down some walls. He said, you were separated from Christ. You were cut off from Christ. You were 
uh, aliens to the Commonwealth. You were like a refugee in Syria, uh, running away from the Turks, and, the, and you're a Kurd, and you've got no home anymore. You're stateless, homeless, hopeless. You are a nothing. And so, in a sense, that was the lot of the Gentiles before Christ. And so he spells out, you're aliens, and then you were strangers to the covenant of promise. You were without hope. And like the worst thing that happened to anybody is to be hopeless. He says, you were without hope. You were without God. And then he comes through. And if we can put all that, relegate all what I've said so far into, that's who you were. That's who you were. And we bring into point two, I'm really not a good Baptist preacher. I do not do the points well. This is a unique sermon. I'm a bunny trail man. Anyhow. And so he says, that's who you were. But now, in Christ, you who were far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And, and he, the whole gospel is summarized in that verse. You're, you're brought near. And the, the, the understanding for brought near is something of the temple in antiquity. And so the temple, you had the holiest place, the holy of holies. And then you had the holy place. And then you had the court of the, the Jews. And then you had the court of the good Gentiles. And then you had the Gentiles out over there, far off. Uh, and so you... And into the, into the temple, the high priest would slaughter a, a bull once a year for himself and for his family. And uh, then he would take two goats and the one goat he would sort of lay hands on and confess the sins of Israel uh, on that goat. And then cut its throat and it would die in the place of the people. And the second goat would be sent as the scapegoat. would sent into the world, sent into a hellish demonic place. And in a sense, that's, that was pictured of our sins being taken away. And then once a year, with a sort of a rope around his ankle and bells on his, on his robes, he would go in there and they'd listen for jingle, jingle, is he still alive? Is our offering going to be accepted? And he would go through um, into the holiest of all and he would pour out the blood. And, and the Shekinah glory of God was in that place. And if he was successful, the offering was, was accepted, he would come out of the holiest place of all. Mm. And, um, and they would be there utterly relieved that he came out. Mm. Now, the picture of that is that these Gentiles who were far off have been brought near into the holiest of all. It's not something that the, the Jews had. It's something new created for Jew and Gentile. And so they brought into the holiest of all and so the far-offs, which is you and me, the far-offs have been brought near, which means that we got a face-to-face -face with the presence of God. We, we, we can see Him. We can behold Him. We can live in the place where the high priest could only get a glimpse of glory once a year. And it's given to us. And so we were far off, but we've been brought near. And so you have this wonderful picture of the temple. Um, and, and in a sense, you're no longer strangers to the covenants. And so there's a, you, you, all of a sudden these Gentiles have been brought in and they are uh, recipients of the covenants of God. And the covenants flow in two major rivers. 
You get the covenant with Abraham and the covenant with David. And in Matthew 1, it says Jesus Christ, the son of uh, Abraham, the son of David. And those two rivers merge in Christ and become the mighty new covenant. And I don't want to linger too long there. But the no-hopers are suddenly in the presence of God beholding his face. And they are now recipients of this new covenant. And the new covenant says, and get my memory around it, I'll put my laws in your, in your minds. I will write them in your hearts. I will, I will. And then he says, I will be to you a God and you shall be to me a people. You'll be my people. And, um, and he says, and regarding your sins, I will have mercy upon you and I will forgive your sins and remember them no more. So all of a sudden, the no-hopers are brought into this beauty of the, of the new covenant. And we need to realize the absolute wonder of what is ours in the new covenant. And then the, the, the top of the, the pops, the sunam bonum, the, the major thing of, of the new covenant is, and they will all know me. They will all know me. And the ultimate purpose of your salvation, great strength said in those words, ultimate purpose is that you may know God as Father. Hallelujah. You may know Him as Father. That is the ultimate. It says in um, Malachi, I think the, the last couple of verses of the Old Testament, it says, in these last days, it's in the spirit of Elijah, and I'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. I'll, I'll, I'll bring about this change, or else I strike the land with a curse. And um, I could really go on a bunny trail on that, saying the troubles of our land, really, of our land, our world, mm. is a fatherless uh, people. Yeah. Sometimes even if they are fathers. Mm. But there's an action of the Spirit in our days and in our time that we can know our ultimate purpose, and that's to know God as our Father. Yeah. And so, yeah. I just want to tweak two verses of Scripture here. So Romans 8 verse 15, and Romans 8 verse 16. In, in verse 15, He has not given to us the spirit of slavery again to fear, but He has given to us the spirit of adoption, of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so there's an action of the Spirit inside of us, giving us the capacity and the cry to turn to our Father and to actually pour out our devotion on Him. Just to say, Father, I love you. Just, just stop. This is not, I mean, really cheapen it with saying, smell the roses. What I'm saying is just stop in your tracks. Father, I love you. I was so um, impacted by John Wimber, a great, great admirer of John Wimber. I read his books. I used to listen to um, his uh, series, 101. Uh, he did it full of seminary, a sort of prestigious evangelical place. The greatest attendance they've ever had for a seminar, and he used to talk on Signs and Wonders 101. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to John Wimber, read, what's the, what's the book called? Uh, Power of Evangelism, read. Um, power to heal. Read um, Alexander Fender's book on healing, doing healing. One of the greatest books that the world has ever seen. Not only here in South Africa, one of the greatest books ever written on healing. 
So don't be cloned, but absorb something of this amazing founder called John Wimber. So what's my point? On, on 8.15, he knew what it was to turn. I think the song comes from him, and I'm not going to sing it now, but you must already know it. It's, um, Father, you are my portion in this life. You are my hope and my delight. And I love you. Old, larger than life, Wimber. You know, he belonged to the paramours who dissolved and two of them became the righteous brothers, Unchained My Heart, you know. So he comes from a famous musical background. And, and Wimber knew what it was to get into the zone of not only saying, but singing, and I love you. Can I just sing two lines? Yeah. <laughs> you are my hope and my delight, and I love you. Yes, I love you. Lord, I love you, my delight. Then he goes and sing about Jesus. But get my point. The Spirit of God is working within us, not an elaborate uh, ritual, but through Jesus, a connection. Father, you know every detail around my life. You know my beginning and my end. You're in charge overall of absolutely everything. Even when I muff the ball and I mess up, you are Father. And even when I'm disappointed, so disappointed in myself, you father, you turn to Ramadan, you turn, you let the spirit give you the cry of Abba. You, you tell him that you love him. And then in verse 16 is the, one of the most glorious scriptures in the whole of the Bible. And it says, and the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And that is such a wonder. In, in verse 15, you're telling God, you're turning your affection and your devotion, you're telling him that you love him. In verse 16, the Spirit is saying to you uh, with the Father's voice, I love you. I know you've read Julian Adams. Julian Adams, in his wonderful book on the Holy Spirit, um, includes the story. He doesn't mention the guy's name, but he includes the story. I think it's Robert Haldane, 350 years ago, one of the Puritans. Um, he, he talks about uh, a man walking with his little boy, his son, just walking along. And all of a sudden, Papa gets an overload of emotion. He stops in his tracks. I don't do it to my son anymore, but I do it to my grandchildren. And picks up the little boy and looks at him. Oh, I love you. Mm-hmm. Oh, squeeze. Love. Oh, I love you. Puts the child down and walks on. The spirit bears witness with our spirit. And God says, I love you. There are moments of glory, sometimes in extremity, but there are moments of sheer glory as he tells you that he loves you. Hallelujah. Tell him that you love him. Just turn your affection towards him. What I said I was talking about two things that impacted my life. When in 1973, I think about February, I was on the beach, you know, I'd just come back from the Air Force and I'd come to know Jesus, but I, I was speaking to a, a guy who knew the Lord. I said, how do I get this Holy Spirit? I mean, like, wow, we, who, where? And he said, well, you just, you know, ask God to give you his Holy Spirit. You know, if a, if a, if a child asks a father for a, for a piece of fish, he ain't going to give him a, a, 
a stone, oh, a snake, a snake, you're not going to give him a snake. And he sort of talks me through it, and I said, uh-huh. And he said, and then ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit and give you this language of speaking in tongues. I said, oh, yes. And, uh, and then he said, and then speak to him, but not in English or Afrikaans. I said, oh. Anyhow, I was boarding with a dear old lady whose son was in prison. Anyhow, she was a dear old lady, a sweetheart. He was in prison for political reasons. And I was boarding, and I remember getting down on my knees. It was a Saturday afternoon, I think. got down on my knees, and I said, God, give me the Holy Spirit and the language of speaking in tongues. I shut my eyes, and I started speaking. It actually sounded like a Gregorian chant. I started singing in tongues. <laughs> and you know, the tongues was not the big deal. It's that, yeah, this innards of me had been so cold, frozen, messed up, destroyed that love, the the sense that he loved me. I knew he loved me. I got up from my knees. I walked over to the mirror. I looked in the mirror and I pointed to me in the mirror. I said, I said, you are a son of God. I walked down the main street and it was a series of apartheid days and I'm smiling at all the black oaks and everybody you know, you know just like could hug a tree <laughs> I've got good news for you there, there is a moment where of reception of the Holy Spirit where you in a sense the love of God overwhelms you but the intention of that verse is that we have an ongoing relationship with the Father through Jesus by the Spirit. An ongoing relationship. And here there are moments of glory. You can't turn him on, but you can aim in his direction and give him your affection. Hallelujah. <laughs> Shall I stop while I'm ahead? <laughs> uh, I don't quite know where I am at the moment, but we'll, we'll find our way. That's who you are. You're a beloved child of God. We looked at who you were. And sometimes we need contrasts to actually give us the sense of the greatness of our salvation. That's who you were. Um, and, and this is who you are. Um, but you receive these blessings of the new covenant. But how did I become who I am? So what's the point of the scripture that I read to you, how did I become who I am? What was at work? Well, Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, um, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So in him. And so it's through his blood. And oh, I'm, I'm such a vineyard fan of yesteryear. And uh, I've lost sort of, Track. This is the first time I've ever spoken to Vineyard Church. Wow. But, uh, but I was such a fan. <laughs> and I just loved John Wimber and his stories. And one of his stories was, you know, he'd say he gets saved and he joins the church. You must have heard the story. He joins the church and he's, uh, he's a thorough pagan. Generations have been a pagan. And sort of, you know, Las, Las Vegas musician, you can imagine. <laughs> and so he joins the church and people speak in strange languages in the church. Not tongues, but they just, you know, speak... King James English and he, and he gets a bit freaked out of what's going on and somebody walks up to him and says have you been washed in the blood and he says when do they do that 
So we understand that to the secular mind of today, that's like, hey, this is freakish. What are you guys on about? You know, always talking about the blood. Well, I, I want to tell you it is a gospel of blood. And we'll elaborate what it means a little bit later, but it is. And, uh, you know, I found myself going through the scripture and kept on thinking of those 1700 and, well, no, 1836 around there, the hymns by Charles Wesley, these great hymns, they came out of this grasp of the scripture of the blood of Christ. And so, in one sense, this is who you are. How did you become who you are? Through the blood of Christ. And just a sort of just a sort of an alert signal. We've had a, a bit of trouble. We've got um, a few churches in South Africa, I don't know, about 30 or 40, I'm not sure. And then we've got heaps of churches in Africa we work with. But sadly, some stuff has sort of crept into one or two of our churches, and, and not to too many people, but, you know, they're finding a way to the Father, which is not through Christ. And so they are super-duper angels and I wish I could see angels and I really do believe in God's promise and activity through angels but they're finding access to the Father through the angels or through people who are dead and one of them I mean one of our churches was there and I said well, what are you talking about? He said well check this guy on YouTube so I won't tell you his name I check this guy on YouTube and he's saying well just listen to the sounds and you will be with the Father all spooky Buddhist charms like boing and, and so there is a point to this particular verse of scripture is that you can have in our day and times a new age mishmash sidetracking us from the blood of Christ. There's one mediator between God and man. There's one. Who, who's the artist who to the picture of the, the, the hand holding God's hand and okay, yeah, holding and holding man's hand. He's the mediator. There's one mediator between God and man. I'm sorry, I've just revealed my cultural lack, but that's... That's awesome. Yeah, so there's one mediator. And it's Jesus. And he knows that we can sort of easily lose the plot and go astray. And so he, he puts one institution in place um, before he goes to heaven. And that is what we call the Lord's Supper, communion, breaking of bread. He puts it in place so that we can... We can remember, we can look back and remember his death on the cross. Now his bones weren't broken, so in one sense his body wasn't broken, but he was ripped apart. And as the Old Testament temple was split from top to bottom so that we could enter the holiest of all, his body was in a sense rent so that we could enter. And Jesus says, look back and remember. Look back and, and drink of the, of, the, of the wine and eat of the bread. And remember what he did. And don't only live in what he did. In Romans, look not only backwards, but look forward to these immense blessings of the new covenant. Of knowing him and experiencing. Passover leads to Pentecost. So we don't avoid Passover. And just camp in Pentecost as Pentecostals are wont to do. But, but we, 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 we're locked into Passover pointing to Pentecost. And we enjoy the spirit. And so Jesus puts the priority on the new covenant in his blood as an ongoing institution that we do not go astray and we stay there. Um, 
So, uh, I'm doing okay. Okay, five o'clock. Another ten minutes. But, and I'm not asking for a compliment here, I'm just saying my time wasn't good. <laughs> but, but, it's, you know, how does the death of Jesus accomplish this work? Well, there are two, two words. And the one is expiation. And the other is covenant. And we've been through covenant, but I need to touch on it. And so the blood of Jesus accomplishes this. And I can think of no better way to explain expiation than John, I think chapter 1 could be 29, it's around there, where um, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, he takes away your sin, my sin. He takes away the guilt, the punishment, the pain, uh, the, the, everything is taken away. He takes away the sins, not only that we've done, but sins that others have done against us. Violated children, etc. Et he takes away the blood of Jesus, takes away the sins of the world. He's the name of God. That's expiation. And, uh, you know, he, he died on the cross. He bore our sins on himself on the tree, Peter says, the tree being the cross. And, and, and in a sense, we, we look at those scriptures, Isaiah 53. Um, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And then the, the beautiful buttes of scripture, I think 2 Corinthians 5, about 19 to 21. It says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. He, our sin was imputed to him in, in bookkeeper terms. It was put to his account. And that we might become the righteousness of God. His righteousness was put to our account. And in a sense, not only are sins forgiven, but we're covered in his righteousness. Covered in, the, in His righteousness. And we have boldness to come into the presence of God because we're covered in His righteousness. He's borne our sins. He's taken them away. This is reason for great celebration. Um, but the second thing in, in how the death of Christ accomplishes His work is, is the new covenant, which I'm not going to go back into. The scriptures there were like Hebrews 8, I think 10 to 12. But... How does this covenant come to pass? Well, in the Old Testament, every covenant was, was in a sense, established through the shedding of blood. And uh, if it was a document, blood would be sprinkled on it. So it's the ratification of covenant, normally from the greater to the lesser. The Abrahamic covenant, I think he splits the animals in half and puts them on one side and another side. And he walks through. And in a sense, that's God saying, be it done to me if I don't fulfill my promise. Be it done for me. And so we have these Old Testament covenants that are ratified by blood. And in the New Testament, the, it's the blood of Christ that ratifies the covenant. And, and we, we, in a sense, we, we hold our ground on the new, new covenant. If there was no shed blood, we wouldn't be sure. We just... We, we wouldn't know it. Now, who you were, who you are, 
how did you become who you are? And I just want to talk about three little things that when we wake up tomorrow morning, we, um, we maintain who we are. And the first one is, I think it's in Hebrews 12, I'm just going to quote part of it, is that you're coming to Mount Zion and you're coming to this heavenly host and you're coming to, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, whose blood speaks a better word than Abel. His blood speaks a better word than Abel. And it's, it's, a, it's a voice speaking through the blood of Jesus. And when Abel was, was, was murdered, I can't remember, it's in Genesis 4, I think. It says there, it says, you know, like the, the voice of, of, of Abel's blood cries out from the ground for vengeance, for judgment. Uh, there's a curse placed upon uh, Cain. And so the blood of slain Abel cries out. And the Hebrew says, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. It speaks a better word. It's speaking. And his blood is crying out. He's saying, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are loved. You're accepted. You're pardoned. Your sins are taken away. I don't know about you, but... Uh, if, you, if you're over 60, you're in my league. But you wake up in the morning and you don't feel chipper. I mean, I lived with people this weekend who woke up at about quarter to five to run 10 and 20 kilometers. I lived with them. They, one, of the, one of the irritating ones among them stood at our door at about five o'clock saying, Good morning, Patrick and Janet. And... Uh, Anyhow, inside there was get lost, but I got outside there and I looked at the lot of them. I said, you're all winners. Okay. <laughs> Are you all winners? Go and win. Now, go, go. <laughs> but when you, when you, life has got its difficulty and you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, sheesh, my life yesterday was less than perfect. Oh, my. I'm a disappointment to God. Oh, I'm a disappointment. The blood of Jesus let it speak. This is much probably a lousy illustration, but I'll use it anyhow. There was a movie called A Beautiful Mind. I think it's a Russell Crowe, I think it was. A Beautiful Mind. And it actually was a somewhat tormented mind. But John Nash, the character who was deeply troubled, like, what's that guy's name? That Bethel guy, uh, not Bo. Um, <laughs> the prof- prophetic oak from Bethel. Chris Vallotton, deeply troubled, hiding away in, a, in like a, a log cavern because of the voices. And um, Vallotton learned to distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit and he came out of his cave of paralysis and, 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 and walked into a healing and wholeness. And John Nash learned to distinguish with the voices and he, he lived some semblance of sanity. Well, I want to tell you more than that. Jesus' blood speaks a bit when he's speaking to you. When you feel down in the dumps and disappointed and troubled, he's, the blood of Jesus speaks and says, you are forgiven. You're accepted. Uh, then the, the second thing is, nearly, nearly over Skidovis here, the second thing is living in dependence on the blood of Jesus. Part two of, 
of the, of the blood speaks a better word than able. Hebrews 9 verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We, our conscience is cleansed from dead works. It's cleansed from the, the biggest factor in the human mind is guilt. I'm defending myself. I'm accusing others. I'm blame shifting. I'm ducking. I'm diving. I'm doing a whole ton of stuff because I feel guilty. And all of a sudden, can you imagine the blood of Christ cleanses our consciences and we are not guilt-ridden and guilt-performing. The blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. And so when you have the queasy, troubled conscience, I'm not saying that you should develop a false innocence. But, you know, you've done something wrong, fess up, I'll talk about that next. But, but, but it's, it's absolutely marvelous. You speak to your conscience and say, hey, conscience, you have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. Be silent. And then you don't get up to do guilty living. You get up to follow the Spirit in serving God in newness of life. So this is how we apply the blood of Jesus. We actually reason, rationalize it out. Speak to yourself. And then the, the final one is, <laughs> final one is, when you sin, you will sin. Okay. It's not permission or a command. It's just a statement of reality. <laughs> I could give you personal illustrations. Um, but, uh, oh. I'll give you, I'll give you one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a panic mechanic, um, so you know I can, I can get anxious uh, about what's going to happen next year. You know I can think about something over there and I can get anxious, and necessarily it's called unbelief. And um, <laughs> and I'm actually driving, I'm, I'm driving, I'm driving my car. To preach at a conference, and I'm, I'm not driving my car, preacher's conference, I, this taxi's slow in front of me, blocking my way, so I think, well, I'm going to turn left over there, so I'm actually going to duck over here, and it's, and, and, and I duck over there to find there's another taxi stationary in that sort of the yellow line, and it's like, whoops, back over here, and in the midst of all that, I'm going to this holy man who James has got the story. I'll help you get it, but hone it and get it better, James. But uh, all of a sudden, I say, "Oh, shucks!" <laughs> and you know, and I honestly was disappointed. I thought, "Oh man, when are you you were better than this 40 years ago." <laughs> you know, come on, man. You know, why, why do you have to? Yeah, uh, I, I was disappointed. You also. And when you do sin, you apply the blood of Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, I think. If we acknowledge and confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm watching myself. I look I've got bigger things than that, bigger things than that to, to worry about. I'm, I'm just giving you a little one so that you understand. But I'm looking forward to the time when I drive from. Malelani, where I live, all the way to Oliver Tambo, with traffic that is horrendous from Mozambique, and then all the way back, and I have a sin-free drive. <laughs> I'm, honestly, I'm asking the Lord to help me. I'm asking the Lord to help me. But you will sin, so what do you do when you sin? Confess what you know. And He cleanses you from what you don't know. 
The blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin. And so, apply the blood of Christ to your walk and your life. And if hell denounces you, tell hell I'm accepted by God my Father through His Son Jesus. Tell, tell hell. And, uh, and live in the good of what you've got. So it's who you were, who you are. How you became who you are and how to live in the good of who you are. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. So lovely being here. Yeah, let's stand. I prayed with a with a team here. I really have a longing that nobody walks out of here today with hopelessness. That if the thought doesn't glisten with hope, it ain't a good thought. So if if it's a reality over here, throw in the words but God. Put the but God in there and, and Put your radar up to see things glisten with hope. And so, Father, through Jesus, whom you loved and you gave, who came and suffered and died and shed his lifeblood, that we may live. And to live is to know you, Father. To have a relationship with you. And I ask for all of us here. That we would have a deep rest in the wonder of your love for us. That we may know we are beloved children. That we may ask and ask and ask. For all things and especially for more of the Holy Spirit. That we may have light and revelation. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding. That we may know the hope of our calling. Not only the the hope of glory when we see you to face, but between now and then, may we know the path of destiny, the good things that you've got for us to say and do, to enrich and to bless and to change lives and to live for your glory. Pour out your spirit upon us. I pray that you would encourage the, the leaders of this church that this wonderful sense of your presence, they would nurture and have a profound longing that it may deepen and grow and overflow to the glory of your name. Oh, we bless you, we thank you. And we ask you to be with us tonight as we, as we rest and as we sleep. And, and give, us, give us dreams that are, are given by the Spirit. And Father, may an overwhelming peace surround our lives because you care for everything we want to say, everything we're going to face, and whatever comes our way. Oh, give to us by your Spirit that sense of your love. The children are not here. I pray your hand upon those who are most precious to us. Oh, keep us in the place of of prayer and expectation. For their godly living and for their good and for their healing and for their wholeness. We look to you for those whom we love so deeply and dearly. Bless us all. Send us out in your love, Father. Strengthened by your grace, Lord Jesus. And in the companionship of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of God. We honestly welcome you in our hearts and thoughts. Amen. Bless you.